Now we're going to have a time of um, just remembering um, the 13 who, who has died. And, the, and, the, and also the 3,000 who died 20 years ago yesterday. Remember the families of those. And we're going to have a, a time of uh, remembering that right now. Lord, let us pray for all those families, Lord, who lost lives for our freedom, Lord. Part of it is for our freedom, Lord. Lord, let us pray for those families. You comfort to be with them, Lord Jesus. Let us pray, Lord Jesus, that um, they will come to know you most of all, Lord Jesus. And you are the one who can bring them peace and bring them comfort through these times, Lord. And I just pray that over them right now, Lord Jesus. And I just um, I thank you for these lives, Lord, who were given for us, Lord. Just like yours, most of all, was given for all of us, Lord. But I just pray, Lord Jesus, that um, I pray that you'll be with the rest of the troops and for all of those and, and, and these families from 9-11, Lord. There's so many that got lost, Lord. So many, Lord. So many lives were probably turned over, Lord. And I just pray you be with those families, Lord. I pray for continued healing. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that um, I pray most of all that they will know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord Jesus over all things, Lord Jesus. I just pray that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you could all, um, you're all here with us, those of you who are here and those of you who are online. Um, well, I have the privilege of uh, being able to preach today for the next two weeks because Pastor Rick is out of town. But, you know, before I preach, I want to, uh, let's pray for Pastor Rick. And I also want to pray, pray for Pastor Rick and Pamela, but I also want to pray for, um, I want to pray for uh, the Cosdra family, who uh, about a little over a week ago, Jane Cosdra, um, had, had, had gone to be with the Lord. So they had the uh, services yesterday, but I just want to pray for that family also, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for Pastor Rick. Lord, I just pray a blessing over this Sunday for him, Lord Jesus, wherever he is and whatever he's doing, Lord. I just pray a blessing over him and Pamela, Lord. Be a blessing, Lord. And I pray also, Lord Jesus, for the Cosdra family. I thank you for Cosdra's life, Lord. As she was a prayer warrior, Lord. She was a faithful servant of you, Lord. And I just pray a blessing over the family, Lord Jesus, in this time, Lord. I pray you be with them. You speak to them, Lord. Let them get their comfort from you. Let them get their strength from you in a time like this. But thank God she's home with you, Lord. I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, so good morning. You stuck with me for the whole time today. <laughs> not, that's not usual. Usually it's, I, I come up and preach. I'm not doing the worship too. So, but today is a little bit different. But um, I'm going to speak about something that I, the Lord had put on my heart. Um, he's been working on it for a, a little while. I just didn't know how, when it was going to come out and how it was going to come out. But uh, he, uh, this, through this week and through, um, through my life, there's a word today I believe that he gave me for, for, for us today. And um, it has to do with who we are. You know, the word says that we are a new creation, that we are new. The old has passed and new has come. You know, and one thing about that, when I, when I, one thing that um, really hit me in the last um, little while now is that even my past is new today. It hasn't changed, but my perspective on it has. The way I look at my past has changed. The way I live, the past today strengthens me. It doesn't weaken me any longer. For a long time, the past used to, used to weaken me because I would think about the things I did and I would feel guilty and shame. But there's no more shame in Christ. And God had to work that out of me, and I think he, works, he has to work out of, out of a lot of people, is that we need to realize, you know what? Everything I've done and everything I went through, first of all, it's covered under the blood. But I also believe that we went through it for a reason. And it's, who, it's what made me who I am today. What I've gone through has made me what I am today. The bad and the good. God can use it all for his glory if we allow him to. So the um, title of my sermon today is going to be Everything New. Everything is new. You know, and, and I'll share a little bit about... about how many here has ever felt guilty for things they did in the past? We all do. But, I, but one thing I realize is that, you know what? That, that guilt will continue and continue. And Satan would love it too. But when we realize that Jesus Christ forgave us, and when he forgave us, he took it away. It's wiped clean, no matter what it is. Every one of us can be completely forgiven, and there's no, there should be no more guilt and no more shame for that past. But today, I can see that that past has made me stronger. That past has made me have more power in him today. And the scripture I'm going to be looking at is 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 21. And it says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, we be reconciled to God. God made him 
who had no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Lord, I thank you for this word, Lord. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you do with this word what you want to do. As you've done with me, Lord Jesus, I just pray for this word to come alive and be the living vessel that it is, Lord Jesus. And I pray it does the work you want it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2 Corinthians was written by Paul, as most of us know. And, um, and it was sent around A.D. 55, and it was sent from Macedonia, and it was sent with one of his sons, he called him a son, a spiritual son named Titus. Most likely that's who took it to the Corinthians. But the, you know, what really got me was that the main theme of the book is to be reconciled with him. To be reconciled. And to reject the false teachings. That was the main theory of the book, is to be reconciled. You know, in when I think of that word reconciled, I, you know, it, it means to become in good relationships with. We need to be, and so obviously we need to become good relationships with God. But we're not the only ones that need to come in good relationships with God. Everybody needs to have good relationships with God. It is reconciled. So we have, a, we're not just called to reconcile, we're called to be reconciled. And we're called to bring others to that reconciliation. That is the ministry we are called to do. You know, and um, I, I know that God, I was, um, I have a daughter who's uh, going to be 37 years old. And I, I had her when I was 15 years old. We, I had a, a girl, and I, for, for two year, first two years of her life, she was in my life. But then um, through my addiction and through who I was and this, through circumstances, I didn't see her until she was 17. But the thing was, is that I was saved for about, I got saved, and for about two years I was saved. And then when I got, about two years, God said, you need, to, you, need, you need to make that right. God had put on my heart, you need to make that right. See, it was my job to reconcile that relationship. It's just like it's our job to reconcile with him. I had to reconcile with my daughter. And you know what? And it wasn't an easy thing. You know, I remember sitting down writing a letter and um, thanking God that he wrote the letter because it didn't come from me. It weren't my words. And she received it well. And then next, a week later, she was at, she was at, my, um, at my door. And we've had a relationship since. But the first 10 years was not easy. There was a lot of healing. There was a lot of um, growth for me, growth for her. But I would say today we have a very good relationship. There's no more, there's no more um, bad feelings. There's no more questions. We love each other. She loves me and I love her and she knows that. And my wife also. We all love each other and we, we get to enjoy each other. And that's the type of relationship he wants us to have with him. He wants us, we need to be reconciled. And he taught me about reconciliation. And he taught me that that's who he is. I am a reconciling God. I am one who always looks to bring things back. That's like he did with Israel, to bring them back to him. He always took them back. He always wanted them to be reconciled with him. We also must be reconciled with him. But when I read through these passages, there was three things that I saw him, that, that I saw that he was making in these passages. And the first thing that I saw him making new was that he, was given, that he gave me and he gives us a new perspective. Verses six, 15 and 16, if you look at verses, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 15 and 16, I'm going to look at verse 15 first. 
Verse 15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, raised again. So now, we are no longer called to live for ourselves. Because I understand, before I was saved, I lived for myself. I fed my flesh, I fed myself, I fed my sinful nature. But now, I have died to that. My sinful nature should be dead and buried, like Christ was dead and buried. But then, all of a sudden, we come alive again through Christ. But our sinful, that nature is done. But we don't live for we don't live for ourselves anymore. Our decisions are not ours anymore. They're his. Now our decisions are his. He should be the one who's leading our decisions. He should have a say in everything we do. And he does. But we, you know, we still make our choice, but he still has a say. If we are led by the Spirit, he has a say, and we know that. He leads us, he shows us, and he tells us. But, you know, it's up to us to get in tune with that. But Romans 14, 7 and 8 says, For none of us live for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. So no matter if I'm living or if I'm dead, I am the Lord's. I am his and he is mine. That is the way it should be. I don't, it's, it's not different some days than other days. It doesn't change. It should remain that way. I continuously always be his and he should be mine. So we are no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. He paid a price for us. Because it says in Romans 4.25 that he was delivered over to death for our sins. He was delivered to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The reason we can be justified today for, who, for what we did and who we are is because of him. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. 1 Peter 4.2 says, as a result... They do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. We should be living for the will of God for our lives. And we should, everything in our lives should be geared to pleasing Him. It's not always easy. It's not always what we do. But it's what we should strive for, to please God. Not please people. Because if we please people... That doesn't mean anything. But if we please God, think about what, what can be done when we please Him. The one who created us. The one we will play, spend eternity with. So what used to be important to me is not important any longer. What is important to me is, what should be important to us is what's important to Christ. What is important to Him? That should be our question. What is important to God? What is most important to Him? That is what matters. And what is most important to Him? People. The lost. The downtrodden. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. 
Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. See, we need to see people differently. I, when I see a drug addict today, I don't see a drug. I, I see somebody who needs Christ. When I see somebody who's downtrodden, who's homeless, I see somebody who needs Christ. But also when I see a rich person who doesn't have the Lord, I see somebody who needs Christ. Everybody needs Christ. That is the view that we should have. Now understand, when Paul wrote this, you've got to realize he's talking about that other view, the way he used the view. See, he saw Christ, but he didn't see him in his godly, he didn't see him as the Son of God before he got, and uh, Acts 9 had a radical change in his life. He saw him just as a false prophet. He saw him, he saw him as somebody who was spitting out lies. That's how he saw him. But then Christ dealt with him. He was transformed, and then he saw him in his real form. And he realized that he was the Son of God, and he was here to save the world, and that everybody needs a Savior. I don't care how smart they are. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care how famous they are. Everybody needs a Savior. You know, when I pray for my kids, I pray most of all is that they realize their need of a Savior. That's what I pray for my kids. They're going to make mistakes. They make bad decisions. But I pray most of all that they know that they need a Savior. They know that they need Him. And I know my kids believe that. They know they need Him. They might make mistakes. They might not live the way I want them to live. But they know they need him. That's my prayer, is that they know that God just continues to draw them and that they know their need of him. They don't ever get to that point of not believing in him. That's what I pray. I pray this world does not blind them like it's blind so many to not believing in him. So many not believing in him. You know, I'm going to say a prayer right now because um, I just thought of something. Um, I, got a, um, I saw a Facebook post this week. And um, a young man had, uh, had died. A young man that I know that came to this church. Esaias Johnson. If you know Tracy and Jerome Johnson, it was their son. He died. He died in prison um, last week and I saw the post and the first thing I did is I called Jerome and I left him a message um, but he did call me back and we talked for a while and um, if anybody knows Jerome uh, Jerome is a he knows God I don't question that he knows his word Um, he's had his struggles like all of us have but to lose a son he was lost he, he was in prison and he died in prison I mean, he was just arrested. He wasn't even there long, and he, he died in prison. But let's keep that family in prayer, the Johnson family. And I saw his uh, grandmother Friday donating down at our common ground, Gigi, who goes to Rehoboth Church. And uh, that breaks my heart. I know this young man. I, I knew him. And he, know, he knew the Lord. He did. He might have made the choices he was making, living a lifestyle he probably shouldn't have been living, actually. But he knew the Lord. He did. He knew the Lord. He did. He did know him. 24 years old. 24. But, but I'm, I'm, Lord, I just pray for the Johnson family right now, for Tracy and for uh, Jerome and the kids, Lord, and all, the, all his um, brothers, Lord. I just pray you, your peace over them right now. I pray, Lord, you, you be with them. Let them get their strength from you, Lord. Through this tough time, Lord, of losing their son, Lord Jesus. I just pray for them. I Be with them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
you know, the Lord put that in my heart because uh, how important that is. That, you know. And I was glad he called me back and I was able to talk to him. And I'm glad I've had relationships with him through all of this. A lot of people haven't talked to him in a long time, but I've, we've kept, stayed connected, which is a good thing. So everybody needs Christ. Everyone needs a Savior. And it's not of this world. It is of, from heaven. Today, we need to see people with spiritual eyes, not the worldly eyes. Not with their faults. Not with all their deficiencies. We need to see them as what they really need, which is Christ. You know, God will use anything to open people's eyes. Even my own life, if you know my salvation story, you know that I was led to the Lord through um, my mother's passing. My mother's suicide. My mother committed suicide, and and I'll never forget it. It broke me to the point where I finally realized I needed a Savior. She needed a Savior. And I knew that, and I knew that's what she needed, and that's what led me to the Lord. That's what led me, and that's what drew me in. So God can use anything to bring us in for his glory. And we need to see things in a spiritual way. What everybody needs is a Savior. No matter what, no matter how well they think they got it together, they need a Savior. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. What are the weapons that we fight with? The Word, prayer, spiritual things. That's how, how do we, how, we can't save our children, but we can pray for them. We can't save our relatives, but we can pray for them. We need to pray, be the word, but we also need to be an example of Christ so they can see. The second thing I see is in verse 17, which is a new reality. A new reality. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old gone, the new is here. We are new. We are not the same. We now have a union with Christ. It says, if anyone is in Christ, those who have a union with him, we are connected. I have his spirit. His spirit lives in me. He dwells in me. This is his, this is his, our, our bodies are his temple. We need to take that seriously when we think about what we do. Our bodies are his temple. It's a union with him. We have a new heart, a new mind. I know my mind is totally different than when I came to Christ. He changed every perspective I had. Everything I did was come from, it changed. Everything I, the way I looked at everything changed. We are not who we used to be. That old person is dead. Remain dead and gone. Romans six eleven says, "Count yourselves dead to sin and alive in God." Dead to sin and alive in God. You know, we used to be slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to God. No longer slaves to sin, but slaves to God, and that's a bond slave—one who is willing. One who enjoys serving him. Because we've all been made new. John 1.13 says, We are children, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or human's will, but born of God. 
So no, you know what? This, this new being is born of God. It's not born from a human being. It is born of God. He, he's the one who has birthed me new. He made me new. It's nothing I did. It's, some, it's nothing that no human did. It's something that he did. He made us new. Nothing in this world can do what he did. Only he can do it. Romans 6, 5 says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. A new life. A new being. A new person. With new thoughts. And new motivations. So we have a new life. We have a new master. We we used to be mastered by sin, but now we are mastered by him. We have a new union. And we have a new creation. We are a new creation. And we need to live that way. We need to realize that and live that way. Like we are a new creation. Ephesians 4, 24 says, To be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. You know, I did a wedding last year in, during COVID. And, uh, and uh, it was my cousin. My cousin had asked me to marry her. And um, I remember going to the wedding and, and being there. And I didn't realize till later there was people there that knew me as a, as a, as a, when I was younger. And I didn't think anything of it. But uh, then all of a sudden afterwards they came over me. And, to- <laughs> and they're sitting there saying, I can't believe the transformation. Because they knew the old me. You don't even realize. They, they, they knew what I was like. And they knew that they, they saw me as one of those that was going to jail. And all in trouble all the time. That's what they saw. It was probably, everybody predicted it. I had kids whose mothers would not let me hang around with their child because of who I was. They knew I was trouble. And these people knew I was trouble. They were there, but they came over afterwards and could not believe the transformation. Knowing the old me, but now seeing somebody who's totally transformed, not even the same. People see that. That's what we should be, is totally changed. So he gives us a new perspective. He gives us a new reality, which is our new creation. But then he also gives us a new relationship. Verses 18 through 21. Verse 18 says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So this new being is from God. It's not from ourselves. It's nothing that we've done. It's what he's done. We didn't deserve it, and we didn't earn it. He gave it freely to us. And why? Because of his love. That is why. It says in Romans 5, 8, says, But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we didn't have to get cleaned up for him to die for us. We didn't have to change everything for him. No, he is the one who changes us. He is the one who transforms us. He is the one. It's not us. We can make all the rules and we can do all we want to do to try to change ourselves. But let me tell you, if you want it to stick, it has to come through him. It has to come through him. He will do it. 
You need to allow him to do it and just follow him and be obedient to what he does and tells you to do. Romans 5.10 says, Reconcile to him how we death of his son. That's how we are reconciled to him. What does it mean? Like I said, we get into a right relationship with him. Well, why do we need to be in a right relationship? Why do we need to be restored? Because the word says that we were enemies of God. That's what it says. When we lived in our sin, we were enemies of God. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, Once we were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. The way we thought, the actions that we did was against him. We were enemies of him. But now he reconciled you by Christ's physical body to death to present you, present you holy in his sight. We are holy in his sight. We are forgiven. It's all, it's all been under the blood. And we are holy in his sight. If we are in him, we are holy in his sight. With, it says without blemish. Without blemish. And free from accusation. Free from accusation. If we are in Christ. If we are living in him. Then we, he sees us as holy. He sees us without blemish. And sees us free from accusation. We are no longer enemies of God. No longer strangers of God. No longer foreigners of God. We are children of God. Now we are children. We are no longer the alienated, separated from him. We are children. This happens through him and also for him. This happens through him and for him. This is not for us. Even though it was given to us, it is for him. Romans 11.36 says, From him and through him and for him, all things are all things. From him, through him, and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. In verse 19, it says, That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. There it is again. The ministry that he's committed to each and every one of us is the ministry of reconciliation. To bring people in right relationship with him. That is what we should be, that should be what we should be trying to do, is trying to show Christ in everything we do. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, that none can boast. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you. God has prepared everything for his glory. Even everything we've been through in our lives, like it says, he's a handyman. He has made us who we are. We just need to be obedient to him, follow him, stay under him, and realize everything he's done is his handiwork for a purpose. And it's for his purpose and for his glory, not our own. Not our own. It's for his glory. Nothing for me to boast about. If I boast, I boast about him, like Paul said. I boast of him. I boast of what he's done. I boast of who he is. That is what we boast about. We boast about who he is, not about who I am. 
Because God is the one who's doing the work. So now God has done the work through Christ, and now he also has a work for us, which is the work of reconciliation. He says that we, if we are like this, then we need to reconcile others to him. Because everybody needs a savior. It says in Romans 3, 24, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, everybody. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. That is, redemption is for everybody. That they, he, wants, he bought us back with his blood. That is the redemption. And that is for all. Because we are all sinners and we all fall short of his grace. Fall short of his glory. And we need to remember that it is God who blots out the transgressions. And remember that our sins no more, as it is stated, stated in Isaiah 42, 23, that he blots out our transgressions and he remembers our sin no longer. He doesn't remember them. We do. And so, you know, sometimes I felt guilty for the things I did, but, I, but not no more because I know I'm not that way anymore. That's not who I am any longer. You know, and, I, and I, I've, had to, I've had to, in points of my life where I've had to deal with that and say, that's not me any longer. Satan's not going to hold me back there any longer. I am a new creation. I no longer am who I was. I am new. Amen. And then Romans 4, 8 says, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. He never counts it against us. He's not going to hold sin over our head. He's not going to hold it over us. Oh, look what you did. Oh, look at... No, Satan... ...convict us and, and, and want us to come and get on our knees and repent for what we've done. Hold it over us and hoard it over us. He, just, he will forgive us if we would just lay it down to him. He will forgive us. He will not hold it against us, hold it over our heads. He will forgive us if we will come to him and humble ourselves. Verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are his ambassadors, and we must represent him well. It's up to us how we represent we need to represent Christ well in every part of our lives. In the light and in the dark, we need to represent him. We need to be his ambassadors in our family. We need to be ambassadors at our works. We need to be ambassadors wherever. And that includes in the dark, and I say that because, you know what? If we do things in the dark, it affects our spirit and it affects who we are. Just because nobody sees it does not say does not mean it doesn't affect us. It does affect us. It drags us back to where Satan wants us, and we cannot allow that. We have to be accountable for everything we do. We, we, we will fall short. We will make mistakes, but we need to keep close relationships with him and make things right so that we can be his ambassadors. We can be his ambassador. We can represent him. Because that's what we are doing as ambassadors. We are representing him. So how important is it the way we live our lives? Decisions we make. The way we treat people. So important. This is, this, this is what shows God. 
This is where, this is how you reconcile people to God. You know, I came to this church for a whole year by myself. A whole year, me, then I brought my children. And it took my wife a year to get here. But she didn't get here by, my, my, by me preaching to her. She got here because she saw the transformation in my life. That's how she got here. Not anything I did, it's what he did. She saw something in me, and when people see that, then they, 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 they know there's something. That's how they see it. Through transformation is how they see it. 2 Corinthians 6.1 says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's, God, what God has given in vain. We are his co-workers. We work with him. He works with us. As an ambassador for Christ, it says here that Paul was imploring them. Imploring means he was pleading with people to come to Christ. He was pleading for them to receive this gift. We need, he imploring people. He, was, he wanted people to realize their need of this. And that's what we also need to do, is make people realize their need of a Savior. All need a Savior. And He is not the stereotypical God that many people make Him out to be. He is the loving God, but He's also a just God that we serve and we obey. And He is our Master. And what, what is it to be reconciled? Is to make peace with God. We need to have peace with Him. You know, if we do sin, we need to make peace with Him. That is the most important thing. Make peace with Him and then be obedient to what He tells you to do. But we need to make, have peace with God. We can't be separated. We need to be close to Him. We need to have good relationship with Him. And then verse 21. God made Him who had sin sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Well, let me think about that. We give our sin, and he gives us righteousness. That sounds like a good deal to me, because we're giving something that's worth nothing and horrible, and he's giving us something that's such a blessing, such a blessing, that the righteousness that he gives us. Our sin, he took on the cross. His cru- our sin, his crucifixion, his righteousness, our conversion. When we get converted, it's his righteousness he gives us. It doesn't come from what we do. It comes from what he does. This doesn't seem to be an equal exchange. His unmeasurable worth, how much he is worth. He's a ruler of all things, creator of all things. That's how much he's worth. For, and he, he gave us that in exchange for what is worthless, which is our sinful nature, our sin. He, he gave us that for that. How grateful we should be. Galatians 3.13 says, He became a curse for us. He took it. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And what is this Righteousness. Well, Romans 1.17 says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith. It is in the gospel. It is in what he did for us. That is where the righteousness... What he does, 
who he is, who Christ is, who God is. That is where righteousness comes from. And when we, when we are in our word, and when we are filled with the Spirit, and when we try to follow, do what is right, then we get the righteousness. And it comes through him. It doesn't come through us. So as we close out today, how many of us need these things? We are, some, of us, some of us have these new perspectives. Some of us have this new creation, new reality. Some of us have this new relationship. But maybe not all. We all need a new perspective. We all need to think like he wants us to think, spiritually like he wants us to think. We all need this new reality, this new creation. We need to be a new, new person. We cannot be the old. We cannot come into Christianity and live the way we lived. Because there's going to come a time when God's going to say, this needs to go. And you need to give it over. And if you don't, it's just going to keep you down. He's going to ask for everything. He doesn't ask for some things. He asks for it all. Little by little, he takes it. He takes it. And he takes it. And it's, for, and it's for good. It's not for bad. And he takes it. And that's the new creation he builds. And that new relationship, to have peace with God, be right relationship with God, be constant communication with God. Constant communication with God. Well, I'm going to ask a question. Who here needs to commit their lives to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who right now, at this point, is not? But they want to know this Lord. They want to know this Jesus. Is there anybody here who needs to commit their lives to Jesus as their Lord and Savior? We all need a Savior, every one of us. Everyone needs a Savior. No matter rich, no matter poor, no matter educated, it doesn't matter. Those are all the worldly things that a lot of times may stop us from salvation, stop us from accepting Him as our Lord and Savior. Who here needs a new perspective? Needs to see the see things in a different different view, in a more spiritual view. Who here is a new creation? Are we a new creation? Who here needs a new relationship with him? So I'm going to pray. And um, I will be available up here afterwards for anybody that needs prayer or anything at all. So Lord, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for this message, Lord. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you do what you want to do with it, Lord Jesus. Lord, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that, that we just realize you did what you did for us for a reason for your purpose to lead more people to you to bring more people to you to show Christ in everything we do every decision we make every person we talk to Christ needs to be there needs to be seen needs to be evident somehow some way and Lord I just pray Lord Jesus that we get that perspective of how important it is that we see people everyone as someone who need Christ 
that we live in this new reality, this new creation, Lord, and that we live in this, that we do not live in the past any longer. There, it says in your word that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Lord. Let us not condemn ourselves or live in that any longer, Lord, but let us live in the free spirit, Lord Jesus, knowing that we are not our own any longer, that we are yours. That you have created a new creation, Lord, and we don't have choices that we used to have, Lord. Our choice is to go to you and to ask you and come to you, Lord. And I just pray also for this new relationship, Lord, this, this, this relationship of peace with the Lord at all times, Lord. Do our best to stay close to you no matter what, Lord. And if something separates us, let us come back to you, Lord Jesus, which is so important, Lord Jesus, that we keep our relationship with you right and that we stay in peace with you and we stay reconciled to you, Lord Jesus, and that we others see that also, Lord. Let them see that, Lord, and let them be drawn to that, Lord. Let us be the salt and the light of the, word, of the world as your word says we should be, Lord. Let us be effective, Lord. And that's only through you. That's only through your spirit. That's only through walking in that spirit, Lord Jesus. I just pray that right now, Lord. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that we we will leave here, Lord Jesus, and we will do what we have to do to be more like you, Lord Jesus, and to reconcile people to you, Lord Jesus, and, and, and have the spirit of reconciliation and be the ambassadors for Christ you have called us to be, Lord. I just pray that right now. In Jesus' name, amen.